You're listening to the Cash Valley Insider, conversations with founders, leaders, and creators about why they live, work, and play in Cash Valley, Utah. The Cash Valley Insider is a production of the Cash Valley Chamber of Commerce. Become a chamber member and learn more at cashchamber.com. We have a really terrific lineup for you today, and I think that's why most of you are here to hear from uh, some of our really important Cash Valley Northern Utah candidates today uh, for office. And so I would like to introduce um, the following and have them come up and sit down. So we have Darren Perry, Nancy Huntley, Blake Moore, and Mr. Wilson. Come on up, Chris Wilson. The questions have been um, given out in advance, but let me let me start while you guys are having a seat, just to tell you a little bit about where, how we got to this and a little bit about our Legislative Affairs Committee. Um, the Cash Valley Chamber of Commerce uh, Legal, Legislative Affairs Committee is very engaged uh, during our legislative session and the interims as well. The co-chairs of this committee are Karina Brown and Chad Campbell, who direct our meetings. They organized this, this group into subcommittees and identified key members of the chamber and the community to participate as the group meets weekly during the legislative sessions. Our legislative session, I should say. And um, uh, we do meet also in the interim as well. At these uh, weekly meetings though, during the session um, in February and March, we invite the subcommittees to present legislation topics and areas of focus that they are experts in and share them with the entire group. And so then um, we can look at the, at the bills and see what, what legislation is coming up. Um, the Cash Valley Chamber belongs to the Northern Utah Coali Chamber Coalition. That's NUCC, or we call it NUCC for short. And we submit our stronger opinions and um, to our committee at NUCC. And then each Friday, the NUCC group meets with the Northern Utah legislators. As our committee grows in numbers and influence, we'll continue this highly proactive approach to legislation. Um, we began this series this summer when we, um, uh, during the primaries, and we started our Meet the Candidates then, and we're going to continue on as promised. So um, today is our second forum, and we've invited the candidates running in the general election for Utah's House District Utah's Senate District 25 and our first congressional U.S. Uh, first con congressional district. The members participating today I have mentioned already are Chris Wilson and Nancy Huntley running for the Senate seat of Utah's District 25 and Darren Perry and Blake Moore running for U.S. House of Representatives uh, in Utah's first congressional district. Uh, each response will have the questions have been given in, in advance to each of the candidates so they know what they're uh, going to be addressing you and the questions. And there will be a timed response. You'll hear a sound at the end of each, uh, of each period uh, that you've been asked to respond, okay? Um, and then each time the order will change. So I will read the order for the first question and then um, we, will read, we will read the question. No, I do want you to give a chance to, to tell about yourself and tell your opening statement, include your platform and your qualifications. Um, so in the order of this will be Mr. Perry, then Mr. Moore, then Mr. Wilson, and then Ms. Huntley. Hi, everyone. My name's Darren Perry. 
I'm the Democratic candidate for Congress. I'm a lifelong resident of Utah, and I've lived my entire life in the first congressional district, except for the two years I spent in England serving an LDS mission. I serve on the board of directors for the American West Heritage Center here in Wellsville, the State Museums Board, the American Indian Services Board, where we provide scholarships to Native American kids that want to go to college. I serve on the advisory board for the Huntsman Cancer Institute, as well as Weber State University's National Advisory Council. I'm a cancer survivor, but service is my life. Over the past several years, I've been blessed to serve as the chairman of the Shoshone Nation. Those of you who know me know that my heritage is important to me. It has shaped me into the person I am today. You see, Native Americans had no concept of personal property. We took care of one another. We were only as strong as our most vulnerable. Our elders and our women and our children were our greatest assets. Those same values have shaped my political views as well. I have worked my entire life building bridges of understanding between groups who generally oppose one another. I meet regularly with senators and congressmen and state and local leaders to forge a better life for not only my people, but all people. I understand and thrive in that dynamic. Before the pandemic, my political priorities were the environment and public lands. Those issues are still at the top of what I feel strongly about. But COVID-19 has taught me that there are many in our communities that are suffering and worried because of a job loss or not having adequate health care for their families. Our most valuable, vulnerable, and marginalized communities among us live with the pandemic every day. We've got to be better. I will work hard every day to make sure the people in this country have affordable health care options, that they have prescription drug prices that are affordable so a mother doesn't have to choose between buying food or getting their children medicine. I want to fix a badly broken immigration system, one that allows all people fleeing from oppression the ability to immigrate here legally. I want to make sure that we protect Hill Air Force Base and our nation's defense systems. And I want to make sure that we protect our elderly by making sure their social security is intact. Over the past several years, I've worked really hard to give those who are massacred at Bear River a voice. It is time that we give all of our marginalized communities a voice. This country is worth fighting for. We must keep believing, keep learning, keep moving forward. As human beings, our souls crave the opportunities to exercise compassion. It is fulfilling, it's invigorating. It satisfies the human compulsion to do something useful with our lives. As your Congressman, let me lead you to go lead an extraordinary life, but it will require extraordinary steps. Commitment beyond the ordinary, selfishness, selflessness beyond the ordinary, forgiveness, humility, and loyalty beyond the ordinary, belief beyond the ordinary, 
and love beyond the ordinary. I want to lead you to go be extraordinary. My name is Darren Perry. You can learn more about me at darrenforutah.com. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Perry. I think we're okay with Darren and Blake now, right? We've had a chance to communicate. Um, the chairs were on the same side at one point, but then of course we've had to split into political parties and it's just, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks as we get a chance to interact in a couple, in a few more of these situations to talk about ideas and what we believe for the first district and state in our country. Um, but I'm Blake Moore uh, and I'm the Republican nominee for the, for the Congressional First District. Uh, born and raised in, as a brief introduction, born and raised in Ogden. I came up to Utah State for my freshman year to play football. You won't necessarily remember me because I was just a glorified red shirt. Uh, but my time was cut short when I was on my, my mission for my, my service mission and uh, my, my, with the coaching change and everything, it ended up not being something that I got a chance to come back to. But I made very, very close friends that exist today and, uh, and um, gradu after graduating from the University of Utah, I applied to go and work and go serve our country in a civilian role. And it took me back to Washington, D.C. And then off, in, then off to Southeast Asia and then, back to D and then back to Washington, D.C., where an opportunity came to go work for a consulting firm uh, back in Utah. And that, that was about eight years ago. And that time with Cicero Group, uh, despite my federal service and my work in the intelligence and, and, and intelligence community and diplomatic community, um, I feel like my time in the private sector is what we need more of in Congress. Uh, I am, I, I'm thrilled to be at a chamber event. And during the campaign, there's been a number of opportunities to do so. But we even have a few more upcoming in the, in, the, in the future weeks and a lot of conversations that I've been able to have already with the US Chamber of Commerce. And right before I decided to run for Congress, I had been asked to chair a committee to help develop the next bench, sort of the next generation of leadership for the chambers. And that was an opportunity I was looking forward to, um, but quickly turned into um, running for Congress. And it's rooted in the same exact issue is that I'm concerned about the next generation of leadership in our country. I'm concerned of the direction that we're going. Uh, so when I get a chance a few months ago to come up and meet with Mayor Danes and she looked at me and she said, what in the world would you want to do this for? Uh, there's obviously some jest there, but sincerely, I, I, I'm concerned of the direction that we're, we're trying to find solutions to challenging problems that are, that are rooted in big government and, pro and programs that won't necessarily solve it. The programs that aren't necessarily what has brought our country to this point to, be, to, 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 to have so much success in, certain, in so many areas. And, and, I want, and I'm founded in those conservative principles. But like we recently put in an advertisement or in a commercial in a 30 second spot, to me being conservative, it means something more. It means looking after the economy and your neighbor. It means you know, empowering families and keeping Washington at bay. It also means embracing the entrepreneurial spirit so that the entire community and everyone can succeed. And I believe in that sort of, um, that, that holistic approach to what we need to do in our communities. Um, I wanna be 
a strong representative of of the good that Utah has to offer. You know, we have low taxes. We have a, a balanced budget. We have a low on low, low unemployment. You know, leading out of this leading out of this, the lowest in the in the country. There's so many good things. Rainy day fund, but we're also the most philanthropic state in the nation in both volunteer time and money. And Washington needs more of that. And I want to go back and be a strong representative of that. Um, I have three, three little boys. Uh, my wife and I are celebrating our 10 year anniversary tomorrow, my wife Jane. So I'm thrilled there's some gifts here that I might be able to, to get in, in, in contact before tomorrow. I'm worried about the future of our country. And I know I'm somebody that can be a productive, positive force for good in Congress. And that's why I'm doing this. And I look forward and I look and I would look to your support and I ask for your vote. Our website is electmore.com and I sincerely want to go and represent and take back so much of what we have to offer here and take that back to Washington. So thank you. Well, first of all, I wanted to thank Jamie and, and her awesome staff for putting this luncheon on today. And um, also wanted to thank uh, Blake, uh, Nancy and Darren for running. It's not easy to run for political office, and I appreciate each one of you for taking, uh, taking the, the plunge, if you will, in political uh, running for office. I'm Chris Wilson, and I'm running as a Republican candidate for state Senate in District 25. I am a lifetime resident of Cache Valley and a third generation owner of a family business, Wilson Motor Company. With the current staff of 72 employees, we have been supporting our local economy from the same location on Main Street in downtown Logan for 77 years. I served on the New Car Dealers of Utah Association Board of Directors for the last five years and recently completed a term as president. Locally, I serve on the Cache Valley Chamber of Commerce Board of Governors, Economic Development Alliance, and Legislative Affairs Committee as Chairman of the Revenue and Taxation Subcommittee. Because I strongly believe in the importance of being informed and engaged in the political process, I have served as a state and county delegate multiple times. My experiences with the legislative process in multiple roles, roles have opened my eyes to the need for greater accountability and transparency in government. I strongly support term limits and I'm committed to serve no more than three terms. I am free from political entanglements and I will not yield to special interests. I will not personally profit from public service. I care deeply about our community and I have been involved in a number of service projects throughout District 25. I will bring this same commitment and compassion to my service in the Utah State Senate and will continue to seek ways to personally contribute to making a better life for all citizens in Northern Utah. When I finish my time in office, all remaining campaign donations will be given to support charities in our community. I want to ensure that our voice, our values, our concerns are represented on Capitol Hill in Salt Lake City. As a business owner, I recognize the importance of low taxes and small government. And as your Senator, 
I will not support increases on, on taxes on food and gas. I believe my experiences as a business and community leader is just what is needed as we continue to seek economic recovery from the effects of COVID-19 pandemic. I took over full ownership of Wilson Motor Company in 2009 during the Great Recession. We were able to thrive in a tough economy. And because we learned how to adapt and ensure that every dollar was spent efficiently and effectively, that experience prepared us to not only survive, but to thrive in the current economic challenge. I believe the skill set and knowledge can be beneficial in the state legislature in assisting others through the economic recovery process. Northern Utah has been a wonderful place to live and own a business. Giving back to my community through public service is important to me. It is the way I demonstrate my gratitude and a vital element of being a good citizen. A good friend said, people need to take a turn. It is an honor and a privilege to take my turn in serving the community I love. I look forward to the opportunity of meeting and working with you as together we can create a bright, bold future. Thank you very much. Uh, well, first, thank you for hosting these forums. It's really uh, good to have the chance to talk with you all. So I'm Nancy Huntley, and I'm the Democratic candidate for Senate District 25. I grew up in rural northern Michigan, and actually in a place, Antrim County, which I've come to realize is a whole lot like Rich County, and it was right next to a county that was very like Cache County is in character. They're different in that they're lower elevation, and they're flatter, and they're a whole lot drier. But in terms of the things that people did for their livelihoods, and the kind of communities they were, and the way they were affected by growth and development, they were very like things here in northern Utah. Uh, my parents owned a small business that was started by my father's parents during the Depression, and my mother's parents were farmers, and I spent a lot of time with my grandparents on their farm as I was growing up. I have a bachelor's degree in biology and a PhD in ecology, and I've worked for more than 30 years primarily as a college professor for the past nine years here at Utah State University. So I'm a teacher and I'm a scientist. Um, my knowledge and my experiences in education and science, I think, would be useful additions to the legislature where most members' backgrounds are in law or real estate or business. I know how to find, <clears throat> I know how to find good information, I can work well with people, and I know how to listen to and learn from people. I've held quite a few leadership positions from chairing committees to leading professional groups to directing programs and centers. I'm currently the director of USU's Ecology Center and also an interdisciplinary graduate program in climate adaptation science. I was an elected officer of the Ecological Society of America, which is North America's largest professional society of ecologists. I have experience managing large and complicated budgets, including four years that I spent at the National Science Foundation as a program director. Um, I understand the many responsibilities that come with that, and I know how to allocate funds fairly and be frank and open about what is done and why. 
Um, I've worked in many interdisciplinary multi-sector groups, including ones with a main mission of coming to a common understanding of a problem and finding acceptable solutions to that problem. And I've served on advisory boards that work with agencies, NGOs, communities, and policymakers, including legislators. I value community and public service. Uh, here in Utah, I belong to Rotary and 100 Cache Valley Women Who Care, and I try to support many of our local organizations, which do so much of the good work that gets done. So what, what I stand for, uh, really three things. Uh, one is strong, healthy communities. Uh, one is better governance, and one is good growth in, good growth in Northern Utah. So uh, single issue politics usually don't work very well and they're often destructive because it takes so many different things to have strong, healthy communities. So I think we do a lot better when we try to balance those many needs and make sure that they're all, they're all there, they're all okay, they're all accessible. Uh, those important things include education, good jobs, a resilient economy, healthcare, public health and clean air and water and certainly other things as well. So I would want to balance keeping the many things that we want to need and uh, depend on available. Uh, better governance. I think we need an accountable, frugal, open government and that it should be one people can easily have a voice in. I think we need more open, honest, civil discussions with good information and that all voices should be heard and respected. And I think campaign finance limits would benefit a lot and make government both more accountable and more ethical. Uh, good growth uh, is a question that comes up uh, later uh, today. So the short story is, I would work to have thorough information to support decisions, to engage people in planning for our future, to steward our water, our public lands and other open spaces, and to think long-term as we decide how we grow our infrastructure, buildings and economy. I'm Nancy Huntley, your Democratic candidate for Senate District 25, and there's more about me at the website nancyhuntley.com. Just a reminder, candidates, uh, Jason will be timing you, so you'll hear that little chime that some of you heard. Uh, you'll have two minutes for the next, uh, for all the following questions, and uh, Ms. Huntley will go first, then Chris Wilson, Blake Moore, and uh, Mr. Perry. What do you think uh, we as a county or state ought to do to prepare, prepare for the next pandemic? Well, uh, three points I wanna make. One is the current pandemic isn't over yet. Uh, one is we know how to prepare. And the third one is uh, maybe the main preparation we need is to be better able to act together quickly next time around. Um, so the, the current pandemic isn't behind us yet. We need to stay prepared and we need to adapt as the pandemic plays out and it might potentially worsen this winter. Uh, we can't stop working to limit the danger and to limit the damage. Uh, we should keep a strong public health capability. Our public health offices must be adequately funded and well-staffed. We probably need to have an epidemiologist in every public health region, um, always, not just during a pandemic. Uh, there are well-established guidelines we can draw from to avoid or limit a future epidemic. We don't need to reinvent those, but we do need to be prepared to use them and to act quickly. The failure to act quickly was the major problem that allowed this pandemic in the door to America and that has made it so difficult and damaging for us to deal with. Uh, we're in Utah. Utah's famous for being prepared for dangers and hazards, both by households and in management of our budget. So preparedness is a strong suit for us. 
What isn't adequate yet, I think, and what might be the most important for a next pandemic uh, is fixing our sadly deficient ability to have serious community conversations and step up and work together to unite and work together. Uh, this may be the major political failing of our time, as I think I heard Blake Moore say, uh, that uh, we need much more regular, honest, open, constructive dialogue about the things that matter to us all in our neighborhoods and communities, not just yelling, name calling, blaming, or insistence on everyone doing the same thing. Uh, we need to be more willing and able to reach agreements and to work together. So I think we should work very hard now to rebuild a better public conversation and more understanding of each other so that we'll be prepared to act together before another pandemic comes. Like Nancy mentioned, we, we first need to get through this pandemic, but as everybody should know, we are going to get through this pandemic. Uh, we do have a vaccine that's uh, probably just months away, and I think we all need to make sure that we have hope and knowing that we will get through this pandemic. Um, and obviously the best time for us to prepare for the next uh, possible pandemic uh, or, or uh, disruption in our lives is to prepare now. Learn what we've been able to um, um, uh, learn from, from what, what we've been uh, doing. I, one thing that's been going on is, is our state auditor, John Dougal, is, uh, is doing a study right now on some of the things that they did with um, the no bid con contracts that they've been going on and the other type of contracts in um, um, distributing the CARES Act money uh, back this, this spring. Uh, I think it's very important that once we get this report that we need to make sure and bring uh, people together on a committee uh, to make sure that we prepare for the next, uh, the next pandemic. That would be bringing health departments, um, state and local officials, um, people in the um, healthcare workers and also business leaders. That we can talk about what we have learned, uh, what we can do to prepare better for the next pandemic. Obviously, we need to make sure our protective, uh, protective gear, uh, personal protective equipment, uh, we need to make sure that we manufactured uh, those products, not only just in the United States, but also here in Utah, to make sure that we have those supplies available. Um, and we need to rot rotate those supplies to make sure that we're ready. So we need to bring people together. We need to create a plan. We need to communicate that plan. Uh, to the people to educate citizens so that mentally, physically, emotionally, and temporally they are very prepared. Uh, we all need to be more resilient and ready for that next pandemic. And then not only for the next pandemic, I think it's important that we also uh, prepare for the next disruption uh, that could occur. Uh, that may be attack on a grid system, it could be an earthquake, another type of natural disaster. We need to start asking, what if? and prepare uh, mentally, physically, and also temporally. We need to make sure that we're putting uh, the rainy day uh, supply money back to the rainy day supply fund. Uh, we use some of those funds, roughly $100 million, I think it was uh, in this pandemic. And so appreciate that and thank you very much. My time's up, thanks. My goal today is to not get that time out, that technical foul that I've had so many times in my past. Uh, there was a bright spot with this and we saw it coming out um, rooted in federalism. The ability for local governments, municipals, statewide uh, governments to be able to implement change and act on things. And, and I'd love to see that happen. And, and if there's an, uh, there'll always be an optimistic spin that I always try to create 
that was something that was good for our country to be able for the federal government to be able to to lay out some objectives or some milestones and then to be able to go and, and act on those uh, but it's very very simple and I'll, I'll repeat what mr. Wilson said we the federal government has to act more like Utah the cares act would not be such a pain it would not it would not hurt so much if we came from a place of a balanced budget and reducing our debt instead of continually growing it um, and uh, of course uh, communication protocols and, and and equipment are the things that we need to be thinking about every president for the last several decades has said it and we have not listened um, so we, we need to make sure to, to heed that but I'm going to just briefly highlight something very specific that I saw and as I've been working the last couple months and digging in with policy advisors uh, this particularly from the Utah Farm Bureau you know in one of the wealthiest countries in the world in the greatest economy we had our grocery stores bare we had a food scarcity that for a brief moment scared every single one of us in this room I know it did for my wife and our kids and that should not happen and it's rooted in two big things one we're relying too much on foreign produced agriculture and two our distribution channels are not equipped when some type of emergency happens to be able to deliver that to the end consumer we've changed our our approach to eating <laughs> over the last several decades to be more restaurant based and when a time period where we needed to shut down restaurants uh, we were not able to adjust and get that food to the end consumer and so we've been through it and we need to be able to make sure that we're thoughtful about our food our food program policies need to be protecting our american producers problem with going last is everybody said everything <laughs> uh, we need to make sure we invest in our education specifically our digital learning platforms we're all experts in zoom right making and and the big thing i want to make sure that we take care of rural utah and the infrastructure that's needed the internet that's needed we need to as a state continue to be fiscally responsible on a national level i will lead that charge to live within our means and balance a federal budget. The Republicans can't talk about fiscally responsibility the last four years. So I'm going to lead that charge. We need to do it for the future of our kids and our grandkids. I'd like to do an assessment and see what worked, what didn't work, use that feedback to support research and development, prepare and improve our emergency response plans, for the pandemic and improve our communication specifically between the federal government, the state, and then down to our local communities. We need to restock the strategic national stockpile. Why don't we produce our own drugs? Why do we rely on China for our antibiotics? That's crazy to me. We need to increase government support for more doctors and more healthcare workers. Pandemic or no pandemic, we're living longer, and we need those healthcare workers in our future. America's economy is only as strong as the health of its citizens. Thank you. Question number two is, since some sectors of Utah's economy has been decimated, like tourism and others, how do you propose we go about helping these businesses and organizations? And Mr. Moore, you're first, then Mr. Perry, then Mr. Wilson, and then Ms. Huntley. The solutions, um, and I'm, I love who I'm speaking to right now, the solutions to all of these, they exist within the industries. Um, 
I have spent the last decade in my professional career working in every industry possible. It's what I loved about the job when, I, when, I, when the CEO of the company did his final interview with me. He said, Blake, how is it that I'm going to be able to get you to stick around um, for more than just a couple of years? Because that's a growing trend in our, our, our job market. I said, I love the fact that you work in every industry. And then we can have a special niche, but you work in every industry. That's going to excite me. And he said, he hired me, he hired me right then. He said, you're going to love it here. Um, I have spent time in the trash and recycling, healthcare, uh, education, um, across the board. And as, as I look at what we need in our members of Congress, it's people that can go and capture input from there. There was a particular controversial point during the primary. Um, if you were paying any attention to, there was uh, you know, a concert that was gonna get planned during the, during the pandemic time. And, and, I, and we were worried like, oh, there's gonna be some publicity around that. And I said to our team, look, the way we get our economy back is to go hear what the superintendents are doing to get our schools back in session and what the chambers of commerce are going to do. So we set out to go talk to all of these quick 30 minute conversations. And that's when I learned the idea of concentric circles. And the concept of re, just reapproach, changing their advertising. So we weren't gonna try to go get people from New York coming. We were gonna go try to get neighboring states because people were acting different. We were flying less. And so there was this new approach that was gonna to go to attract new tourism. This is the industry that's gonna hit really hard over the next six months. And our ski industry has to be something that Utah gets back on track. And we need members of Congress that are willing to take a targeted approach. Right now we threw out aid to just everywhere and anybody that would take it. And our banks did an amazing, and our credit unions did an amazing job of distributing that. But we need a targeted approach that can look at size, can look at um, population and need, and stratify that so we get the aid where it needs to be. We need to make sure the government agencies give clear guidelines and milestones before we reopen a standards led approach. And thank you, Mayor Danes for being at the forefront of that. We need to put policies and funding in place in the form of grants and no interest loans to protect jobs, retain skills and keep everyone safe. We need to adopt regulations that support and not hinder business. Less regulations in many cases. And I know you're thinking, he's a Democrat? We need to make sure that our small businesses have access to loans. While global tourism has suffered, we have seen an unprecedented use of our public lands. And I will use my leadership position to bring together leaders and innovators to share ideas on how to adapt to these tough times. Everything's in place, we can do it. But we got to be able to work together and keep politics out of it. Well, first of all, I want to uh, say how grateful I am to be have a small business in Cache Valley and in the state of Utah. Our unemployment here in the state of Utah and in Cache Valley is some of the lowest in the country. Uh, we are very fortunate to be here. There are some industries in our state of Utah that are still struggling. Um, and um, last week, last Thursday, I had the opportunity to talk to representatives of the Utah Hospital Association, also the Ski Association and Utah Tourism and the Restaurant Association. All of these industries have been hit hard and I'm not able to go into a deep dive. I'd be more than happy to talk with more of you if you'd like to come up after. The bottom line is, is the CARES Act and the PPP plan 
uh, were both uh, very instrumental in helping us get through the pandemic. The industries that are still lagging behind and talking with them, there's basically been around, there's still $12 million that's been allocated from the CARES Act uh, for the Ski Association Tourism. Last month, they allocated $1 million uh, to help promote these industries. And I could go into which hotels are doing better than other hotels, restaurants. Some restaurants are doing better than others. Um, they estimated that with closing uh, the ski industry up early last March, that it cost the state of Utah our economy somewhere around $350 million. So we, it is an industry, uh, like Blake mentioned, that we need to be a pair, uh, very, very um, um, aware of. Now, the CARES Act money was allocated to a number of different industries uh, in, in March and April. A lot of those industries are not going to be spending that CARES Act money. In the next month or two, that CARES Act money is going to be uh, brought back into the coffers of the state of Utah. And at that time, the state of Utah will reallocate those funds. It's gonna be millions of dollars. It's gonna be helped back into tourism, the restaurant industry, uh, Utah Hospital Association, and, and also um, the Ski Association. Ski Association is working with Delta Airlines on promoting um, the ski industry here in Utah. So there's a lot of programs that are gonna go forward, a lot of more money will be available uh, as this, these funds are, re, are redistributed. And I'd be happy to talk anymore if anybody wants to say more information. I got another timeout, two in a row, sorry. I'll sit down now, thank you. Uh, well, first we probably need to continue financial supports such as loans and direct subsidies for individuals and businesses that have been particularly hard hit by COVID-19. And we probably need more of both the get through this kind and the uh, transform what you're doing to something new kind. We should try very hard to keep any kind of financial support system simple and easy to understand and apply for and manage because they often aren't. Um, and we should really take care that small and rural aren't left out of those kinds of assistance programs. Uh, second, community organizations play big roles in keeping people and businesses above water and they're our especially strong part of how we work in Utah. Uh, Cash Chamber is one example. Uh, the website that made lots and lots of COVID information easily available to people and the consulting was really well done. So congrats and thanks for doing that. Uh, finally, the state and the county can advertise and promote business that have found COVID safe ways to work. We have a lot of those here. Our great big outdoors has been really uh, COVID, COVID generous with us. It's been a place that uh, pretty effectively suppresses transmission of COVID. Uh, and outdoor activities have been really popular this year. It's been economically strong. So we can advertise those. The state and the county can both advertise clean, safe, outdoor fun in Utah. Uh, we could think about promoting businesses also that have safety measures in place uh, that make them attractive to the kind of traveler who might not visit Utah if they were concerned about COVID safety. But because we can do things well here, we can use that to to uh, bring attention to Utah and to some of our northern Utah less well-traveled places. Uh, there, we can include businesses along motor routes because many people won't be flying much for a while. Uh, they could be highlighted in the campaign materials we put out, the travel apps, things like that. So I think the potential for there to be uh, an upside to the way we've responded to COVID here and our environment is very high. Question number three. With growth projections for Utah Cache Valley, we know it's gonna grow, 
<laughs> uh, how do you propose we balance growth with infrastructure needs and still continue the quality of life that we currently have? And we'll go to Mr. Wilson first. Thank you, Jamie. Appreciate that. Boy, uh, growth. One of the big concerns uh, as I talk with citizens of Cache Valley, there's a reason why people want to come to Cache Valley. It's a wonderful place to live. It, we have wonderful values. We have an identity. But we need to make sure that we have the infrastructure in place before that growth comes. If not, I feel we're going to lose our identity and our values. So it's very important um, that we do what we need to do to prepare for that growth. Our growth projections are is that Cash Valley will double in the next 20, 30 years. Now, 70% of that growth is going to be coming from our children and grandchildren. So it's a good positive thing to have. We um, um, just recently, even as, as much as last night, I received a phone call uh, trying to be proactive. And if I'm able uh, to be elected as your state senator, I spent time last night talking with Senate leadership on which committees uh, I will be able to help with those appropriations to help Cash Valley. I feel we've been left out of the appropriate um, appropriations that we should have had in the past. Uh, I think we've been left behind. We need to make sure that we work with the Governor's Office of Economic Development, with UDOT, and other agencies to make sure that we um, secure the funding necessary uh, for our value, for the growth that's coming. We need to prepare for that growth. Uh, it's gonna come no matter what, so we need to prepare for it. And that's one thing that, that I'm gonna take upon myself to make sure that we don't lose our identity and what we hold um, very special uh, in our hearts. This is why it's such a great place to live. And um, I, I want you to know that I'm going to start on that uh, as, as I have been in trying to identify those committee that, that will best help Cash Valley. Thank you. Uh, so I'll um, make three points. One is we need to build smart. Uh, and second is we need to keep and steward our water. And a third is we need to keep and steward our public and agricultural land. So building smart, uh, those decisions are made by, by towns and cities and counties primarily when they do zoning and planning. Um, here in Cache Valley, we have master plans that guide development as the valley grows, but they're periodically updated. And so we need to make sure that we have processes in which uh, the community is engaged and has good understanding and good buy-in to contribute to the plans and embrace what goes into place. Um, Envision Cache Valley uh, came up with strong public support for keep the city city, keep the country country. Um, we love the beauty of Cache Valley and that means we have to have higher density building and development in some other places. As we build infrastructure, we need to think about the future and build into it not just the immediate financial and other impacts of infrastructure, but also the long-term costs of maintaining it so we make good decisions and do it economically. Scenario processes have been really helpful in doing that and uh, the state can be helpful in that happening. Uh, we also need to account for the increasingly hotter, drier, more extreme climate we have and build our infrastructure so it stands up to that. Uh, keep and steward our public lands and our open agricultural lands. They provide an environment that's very forgiving of development because we have our beautiful views, we have quick access to outdoors, and they support our recreation and tourism industries. So we still have our Cache Valley feel even as density grows in the cities. 
and we need to keep and steward our water. There is no life without water. Uh, the new Water Conservancy District should help us with that, and there's lots of room for us to get more out of our water with conservation. Thank you. I can just imagine my great-great-great-grandfather, Chief Sagwich, sitting in his teepee down here, probably uh, near Wellsville, seeing Peter Mon and the first group of pioneers arrive to the valley and having this same conversation. What are we gonna do? Growth is coming. And growth is here. We're going to need to change some of our habits and start living sustainable lives. In 2050, there will be 50 billion people on this planet, and some of them here. If we don't change our habits and start living sustainable lives, we're going to be in trouble. We all want clean air. We all want clean water. We all want to enjoy these beautiful mountains and hike. We need to incentivize smart growth that reduces fossil fuel use. Not completely eliminate it, but reduce it and increase the use of green energy. We need to develop planned communities, walkable communities affordable communities. I'm here to tell you that climate change is real and taking care of Mother Earth is a must. This isn't a Democrat problem or a Republican problem. It's an American problem. And we all have a role to play. Let me just end with this. The Iroquois people, their leadership has a saying. They don't make any decisions as a leadership group without considering the effects of what that decision would have on seven generations ahead. That's how we need to live. I'm gonna echo what Mr. Perry said. This isn't a partisan issue. It's the reason that I've tried to use the word productive as my P word during this, during this entire campaign. There's a lot more we can do together than we can um, in silos. That's the way our Congress works right now. And part of my why, part of the why in the world would you want to go do this is because I believe I can be somebody that can not only accept, but celebrate a diversity of thought. We, every single one of us in this room, if you're here for the Chamber of Commerce, you've got people that you work with that, 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 that have differing viewpoints in you. And I guarantee you that whether you have a diversity and inclusion team within your company, you take in that diversity of thought and try to identify the best path forward. And our Congress needs to work that way. And I don't know if it's gonna happen if I'm successful in November, I don't know if it's gonna happen in the first two years, it's a, it's a Herculean effort, but we need more people that are willing to, 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 to speak to that and be productive members of Congress. And that's, that, that continues to be the P word that I use um, in, in this campaign. Uh, Utah has a strong economy and a value proposition second to none with its amazing landscapes and its and, and reasons for people to come here. That is only going to be continual and ex more ex explosive growth. Um, if, if Lieutenant Governor Cox, uh, as I've interacted with him, I know that that is a big priority for him. So if he's elected, and, as well as me, we're going to have a strong relationship there to be thinking about infrastructure preceding growth. Um, at the federal level, what will be important is to make sure that Utah gets its fair share in transportation projects. That has a direct relationship 
to our air quality and we need to be able to expand that. I see people that I work with that are going up along the I-15 corridor and they're working the entire time as they're taking front runner. We need to make sure we invest in that. And then the last thing is just to make sure NEPA is not overly burdensome and not overly partisan that we can work together and make it smart and make it effective. Thank you. Our final question today is, uh, how do you propose we balance the continued cost increases in housing against the slow rise in wages? And Mr. Morris first. So the housing question comes up quite a bit. Um, you, want, you can talk zoning, you can talk not in my backyard, you can talk about all those policies that might be brought up. Um, those are tactical ways to address, to address some of this because it is tough, our, our wages are not increasing. Uh, my focus at the congressional level, given that I'm elected, um, in particular to, to this area, will be to, you know, in particular to this market here in, in Cache Valley, will be to leverage Utah State University. Um, this university has been one of the, the, the strongest reasons why Logan has been able to diversify its economy so well that you have opportunities here that you did not have 20 years ago. When I was a student here, um, you had, there's restaurants, there was, it was gas stations. I'm just trying to think of some of my, my, my friends that were working uh, in food service or on campus. The, the amount of job opportunities now that exist in Logan um, have expanded greatly. Maloof, Icon, a former partner, or former partner of my firm uh, and a mentor, was, he was my actual mentor when I joined Cicero Group, just became the CEO of Conservice. Um, these companies, are big deals. The university environment here can continue to fuel that so you know, we, can, can, we can find new, improved, higher wage jobs. And there is a direct relationship, as was proven by Neil Abercrombie reaching out to me as soon as I became a, a viable candidate and getting on the ballot, he reached out to me and meeting with President Cockett and her team was one of my first real official meetings to hear what it is and how the relationship works between the university and the, um, the federal office. There will be no daylight between that. I have had several meetings. I just left the Space Dynamics Lab. Logan has an opportunity. They've already done such an incredible job at diversifying its economy, but continuing on that trend to allow for these opportunities for increased wages um, will be something that will be a heavy focus of mine. Thank you. Logan has done an amazing job. But somehow, some way, Wages need to rise for many of our citizens. My daughter, who is a single mom, has to choose every day between paying her rent and having health care. The next gender reveal party you go to, I hope they pass out wallets. And inside there will be a dollar if it's a boy and 72 cents if it's a girl. That's not acceptable. The U.S. Census Bureau says that income inequality is at its highest level in more than five decades. Even though the nation has experienced our highest economic growth in history. Does someone want to explain that to me? It's true. This economy is screaming for the top 2% of Americans but this economy has left the middle and lower class income families behind, and it's left our women behind. But at the end of the day, affordable housing is the key. Allocating public and private investments towards housing affordability is a socially responsible, 
fiscal policy initiative that drives positive economic development gains in the long run. Has this pandemic been hard on you? Every day is a pandemic for my brothers and sisters on the Navajo Nation and other marginalized groups. We've got to start making decisions in this country that benefit the whole of the communities, not just the top 2%. I believe in this country, but we've got to start making it more inclusive and we got to listen, and listen with our hearts. Thank you. This is a hard problem and it's a pressing problem for Cache Valley. We're not a generally high income community and we have a growing problem of housing affordability. I don't think the solution to this problem is just an increase in houses or just bringing in more new higher paying jobs. They don't address the whole problem. Uh, Darren just spoke about the lowest wage problem and that's one of them. A low wages at the bottom of the wage scale. And there's also a significant gap between the wages or salaries of many, many moderate income workers. Uh, it includes many who work in essential services and uh, they don't make enough money to buy a house in Cache Valley or they're moving quickly to the point where they won't be able to. So people employed in essential services include nurses, policemen, firefighters, social workers, teachers, employees of nonprofits, and many, many others. If we want people in those industries that do good work for good wages to afford to live here, we need to build the kinds of houses they want and can afford. The same argument applies to many young families. We need to build the kind of houses they want and can afford. Uh, I've talked with a, a lot of people about housing in Cache Valley. It comes up in ev almost every conversation I've had with an elected leader. And so I've made a point of reaching out to people with expertise in those areas. It's not my area of expertise at all. But there are people here with really good creative ideas of ways we could begin to address our housing affordability problem at all levels, from low through middle and even the edge of higher income. Uh, these are local community decisions, and I think this is another area where we really need better public dialogue and better ability to work together. We need to talk seriously about these problems. We need to come to an understanding of them and grapple with solutions, and then we need to act together and do something about it. Appreciate that. I'm the last speaker between uh, get to leave, so I'll try and make this brief. Um, first of all, I appreciate again the opportunity to be here today. Um, housing uh, is a problem. I've got two kids right now who are having a difficult time that can't afford uh, a, a home uh, permanent residence for themselves. So it's a problem not only in the community, but in my own household and in my family. Uh, I still think the, the idea here, we, we need to make sure that we're uh, building multi-point, multi-cost uh, affordable housing for a number of different people, a number of different price points. The most important thing we need to work on is the deficit between a medium income here in Cash Valley and the state average is $13,000. We have got to reduce that. And that is done by bringing higher paying jobs um, here to the Valley. We need high tech industries that will help us keep our air and our water clean. Um, there's a reason why I installed 435 solar panels on top of Wilson Motor, because I care about our clean air, especially during the winter. I want to make sure that we are doing what we can for renewable energy. Uh, so the future growth, make sure we have industries that um, are trying to, uh, to keep those, uh, the air clean and uh, have that uh, as one of their priorities. 
Um, we have had a lot of um, success stories. Uh, Blake and I are just able to go and tour SDL, Space Dynamics Lab, that has doubled in the last few years. A, a great success story here in the Valley. We need more of those type of success stories, higher paying jobs. With the 3.5 to 3.8 um, unemployment, um, we, we will, wages will go up as people, uh, businesses are fighting for fewer and fewer uh, uh, employees. And so we need to come together, work on these problems, and uh, looking forward to that. And again, working with our new Cash Valley Economic Director, uh, which is something that uh, I'm excited about that the Chamber's working on. And, and having him here or her here will help us uh, to come together for a unified voice in attracting the right type of industries. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I realize that we've gone a little over our normal time. We usually try to really end right at one o'clock. So thank you for staying around. We encourage you to come and speak with these candidates. We have a little gift for them. Um, we wanna thank them for their time and thank you again for coming. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. Thanks for listening to the Cash Valley Insider. For more conversations, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. Join the chamber at cashchamber.org.